This is That Marketing Podcast. Brought to you by Communicator. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast from Communicator. Today I've got uh, Andrew Van Aken of Ogilvy uh, joining me to talk about all things AI and how that applies to marketers in 2020, what they can, what they should be thinking about, what they, what they might not have thought about and where it's going to go. So Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is certainly an area that people have a lot of questions and are constantly asking us about. So excited to talk to you about it today. Excellent. We'll, we'll dive straight in then. So as you said, this is this is an area that a lot of marketers are still working on getting their heads around. Start, I think it's worth starting off with, with a sensible definition. What is the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning? Yeah, it's definitely a good thing to, to, to start and say, okay, let's understand the fundamentals first, because a lot of times, uh, especially with clients or people that we work with internally, there's a question of, oh, let's just start doing AI or machine learning or this and that. And and really to understand the difference is, is machine learning has been around for forever. It's And it's really just the process of taking some sort of data set, doing some sort of calculations to it, and then ultimately getting a prediction. So for example, let's say you want to predict the score of a football or soccer game. You take data of different matches that happened, and you essentially give it to a computer, and it tries to figure out some sort of pattern. And it ultimately gives you some sort of result, such as the team won or lost. And that's sort of your basic bread and butter machine learning where you're not doing anything too sophisticated and you're really just getting an output from the computer and it's telling you some sort of result. AI on the other hand is now this, but all of a sudden enhanced. So either an artificial intelligence is making decisions for you or it's continuously learning or you just kind of set it on autopilot and it does its things. And so a good example is if you want to think of what an artificial intelligence is, you could think of autonomous cars where not only are they looking at what the environment is, such as identifying different cars or street signs or things like that, but then they're using that information and actually making decisions of whether do I brake or not, or do I accelerate, slow down, is there traffic ahead? So there's really that difference of all of a sudden the computer is now making decisions and is either learning continuously or making decisions, which is what the, the big difference between the two is. Okay, at what point do you think that a company, if, it's, if it thinks it's got its data, once, it's, once, it's, once a company has um, established that level of trust in its data and knows what it wants to achieve, um, is there a, a minimum level at which it's worth bringing in a third party software as opposed to, to building your own? So just so that you know exactly what the AI machine is doing and what it's, what it's telling you, or is that not yeah. a particularly important yeah, distinction? Yeah, I think that's a question that a lot of a lot of companies face now because they either have a small analytics organization or they have a couple of data scientists and they're trying to figure out um, should I hire ten more people or should I just buy this solution um, off the shelf? So I think a good place to start is you know seeing what you have available now. So do you have um, do you have a Salesforce? Do you use Adobe Cloud? Um, do you have other data sources that you can um, start to build these types of things? Um, so it, it is very time consuming and it is, is very hard to kind of start up this data science machine learning practice, but there's definitely been a lot of success with companies using off the shelf solutions. Um, and it seems like the, the big 
cloud players of the world, like the Google Cloud and Amazon Web Services of the world, are starting to push solutions that that are more point and click. So, in the future, you know, nimble teams without this machine learning engineer rock star can just start doing machine learning on their own and and kind of building solutions. So, I definitely think that the the trend will be towards these off the shelf, um, easy to use, and spin up solutions. And I suppose the other side of that is um, a sensible minimum data level. Obviously, all different companies will have their own levels of what data they're storing in, in CRM or wherever else. Is there a minimum where you could look at a company and say, you, you don't have enough data to actually do anything useful, even with a, a clever off-the-shelf product? Yeah, so there's an interesting trend right now where um, companies are starting to offer services to solve this exact problem. So let's say you're a, you are a car manufacturer and you're trying to build a model to detect different uh, parts that come off an assembly line, see if they're damaged or not. And you may only have you know, 100 examples of each. And so what you can do is now you can use services like Amazon and you can almost um, use the, the research that's already been done and augment that with the small amount of data that you have to build an actual uh, working visual image recognition system. The problem is a lot of times you see these really large AI models being built off of thousands and millions of different examples. And countless hours and money are spent to develop these systems. But in reality, you can get away with, with much less. So typically, if you're doing something in the marketing world, some sort of lifetime value email marketing, you can start in maybe the thousands of, of records um, in order to build some sort of model. Um, typically, you know, if you only have 10, 100 different examples, that's, that's going to be probably too small. But once you get up into the several hundred or thousands of examples, that's when you can really start um, doing interesting, interesting things. So it is one of those areas where the difference between bought data and organic data is, it was, was non-existent, you know, for, especially for, from our customers' point of view, email marketing is one where bought data can can cause a bit of controversy sometimes, but it sounds like that's really not the case for, for machine learning. Yeah, it really it, it really depends. Uh, I've, we've seen a lot of situations where um, you really have to know what the data source is and the confidence that you have in your data source. Um, a lot of times we'll append different data to, from third-party sources to figure out. Um, so let's say we have examples of, um, an e if you wanna use email marketing, we have location of different people, we can then append data about that location. So maybe, you know, is it a high income area? Is it a high population area? And then we can just append that data right on to hopefully improve the accuracy of our machine learning models. Um, so something like that is a really good um, example because it's something that's pretty well known, it's pretty reliable, and um, you can pretty you can very well quality assure the data. In situations where it gets a little murky is where vendors kind of claim to do everything and everything. So, you know, we can tell you the exact location of someone within, you know, every single hour of the day. That's when you have to start to get a little concerned about, well, first off, privacy, but second off, is this data actually reliable? So it, it is definitely worth to investigate pulling in your own data with third-party data, but you just have to know what the level of trust you have with that data. Do you have an example for us of uh, the impact that artificial intelligence is having on marketing automation specifically in the space? 
So marketing automation is definitely a big area where marketers are going to be start using AI. And this is especially true with platforms like Salesforce, uh, where you can go directly to using AI to score leads, um, see what see what opportunities are convert. And I think Salesforce is especially pushing this product because what happens is you have all the data in one spot. So you have data on uh, company size, company demographics, opportunities that a company has created. And essentially what systems will do now is they'll automatically score leads for you to see who is uh, going to be uh, going to have the highest likelihood to convert or who should you contact right now. And then as your interactions with that company change, uh, the machine intelligence will actually update on the fly. So for example, let's say if you go to a huge conference and you meet one of the CEOs of a company and have a conversation with them, once you go into the Salesforce system and update, uh, we talked to this person at this time, Salesforce will actually then update the likelihood that that company will have to either buy your product or convert to a new opportunity. And the holy grail here is that as you're constantly communicating with different people and as the software is updating, it is then it's then making recommendations about how to market and what to send. So for example, the system may say, um, you may want to send this person an email because it has been two weeks since you last contacted them, or maybe this person works best for calling them or setting up an in-person meeting. So the tools are definitely there for uh, this to happen. The biggest question is just how much are you willing to hand over automation to? So are you comfortable with essentially it being 100% driven by machine or 50% driven by machine? Um, it's really to fig figuring out um, how much should I trust the machine? How much should I let it run its course? And then um, what actions do I ultimately uh, end up taking the recommendations for? Right, that that's AI from a, a strategic perspective, I suppose, talking about how you handle your leads generally. Have you come across some, any really good examples of how AI is impacting on a more tactical level, for example, through um, PPC or SEOs or actually creating emails? Yeah, so PPC is a very big topic now because um, Google is constantly changing the way that its PPC is working once it figures out machine learning. So as Google has advancements in different fields, um, it's always changing how search results are returned and one of the biggest things is um, the difference between different types of modifiers like broad match modifier and um, exact match uh, and as google is learning how to codify conversation and search intent it is then changing what results uh, are returned in the google search so if you are a ppc marketer and you are trying to figure out you know, how do I stay on top of this? Um, Google is always giving examples of how it's changing. And I think about four months ago, it changed the way um, search results are returned based on its new machine learning advancements where um, words like, if you're gonna say, oh, I wanna go camping, it'll give you very similar results to maybe a hotel or a hostel or um, different accommodations. And so, as the machine is learning what the intent of the search is, it is then changing uh, the results that are gonna be returned. And this is a good and a bad thing because it's a good thing if you want to expand to 
you know, different search intents, if you want to expand your audience and possibly um, generate new business. But if you know that you're looking for a very exact thing that people are searching for, you need to be careful in how, uh, in how you use your modifiers. Uh, so Google is always releasing new tools about um, suggested keywords that it's going to return based on searches. And so I would definitely recommend people, if they haven't either run a PPC campaign for a while, to check out these tools by Google, which you can then put in a word and it'll give you a suggestion of what words um, people are also searching for. Because like I said, these are always changing once people um, once Google introduces new machine learning algorithms. So you always have to be careful about um, what the latest and greatest algorithm is and, and what search results are being returned. Uh, and then on the email side, there's a, there's a couple of different things. First is uh, marketing automation is obviously predicting who will click on an email, how long we should stagger our emails. Um, there's a company that's based in the U.S. that's called Persado that's actually um, generating taglines and email subject headers to figure out which one will work best. So this is completely generated by a machine and it does thousands of tests to see uh, what exact words or combinations of words will work best for my email. So there's a big bank in the United States called J.P. Morgan and they've started to, you know, not fully hand over machine generated ad copy to them, but they're slowly trying to figure out, you know, how do we get machines to do more and more of this um, in the hopes that this will just better re resonate with our audience and we can produce more personalized messages. So there's there's definitely something to stay on top of, you know, what the latest machine learning advances are because companies are definitely changing how their uh, systems are work based on these. What was the name of that Google tool that you suggested you um, to run PPC ads through uh, when you're testing before you actually launch your campaign? Yeah, so it's within the Google search. It's called Google Ad Word Recommender. Um, and if you are launching a new PPC campaign, um, just right within the Google Search Console, you can um, just put in the words that you're going to use and it'll suggest words to be used um, based on you know what other people are searching for. Um, and so it'll, it'll return to you thousands of results. Um, but what's important to know is that um, this is based on a, multiple different factors of the intent of the search and now Google's machine learning of, you know, words that are very similar to each other. Um, so if you're going to, if you're running a campaign and you put in some, some new word that you haven't used before and you get completely crazy results, um, you may want to rethink that because, um, or you, you maybe that just the machine is returning back to you irrelevant results. Um, so then you may want to kind of cut it down and only do exact match. Uh, so it's just based right inside the, uh, in the Google console. Are you able to set um, something like geographic parameters on that search to say what are, what are people in, for example, in, in New York State or in the UK they're searching for, or is it um, extracting results from a global audience at this point? So it would be exact. It would be from a global. Um, but depend, yeah, depending on the region where you are, it should cater to uh, where you are. So hopefully uh, they're not, you know, pulling results from China when you're in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. But it's definitely something that, yeah, is Google is rolled out in production. And then if, if it doesn't make sense, uh, yeah, I would definitely narrow down 
um, your to something like an exact keyword match or something like that. So there are multiple tools that big corporations are now putting out specifically for advertising. So for example, in this past CES in on Jan 7, 2020, IBM announced this new tool called the Advertising Accelerator with Watson. And what this will allow you to do is essentially try and figure out what ad is going to work before you actually put it in market. So the hope here is that you are going to build this new campaign, you have all these creative assets and you have different um, groups that you want to target. And so instead of just, um, you know, doing multiple combinations of everything, running a test, seeing what works and then optimizing on that, uh, IBM promises to figure this all out beforehand and then actually put the right creative in market the first time so you don't have to optimize uh, on the back end. So it's unclear if this is going to, you know, actually, you know, be the, the next great thing, but it does make sense if you can, especially if you can utilize data of your um, audience beforehand. So for example, there's a lot of different companies now that offer solutions where that you can tag creative assets or you can tag what's going on in the image. So if you have a you know, person versus a basketball and, and you can then run this on historical data to see what works in your advertising. So it's definitely something that's going to be available to um, hopefully all advertisers. And I only expect that different platforms like um, Trade Desk and other DSPs will probably integrate this technology. Um, so it's definitely something to keep on the radar of actually you know, predicting what creative is going to work before it actually runs. Okay, so I haven't actually seen this CS talk. Do they talk about how much of an existing bank of creative material you need to have this to be effective or can you use uh, is there preloaded things in there that it can draw from as well so they don't specifically mention you know how many creatives you need or what you need to actually make this run but i would imagine that you would probably need um you know at least you know more than 20 creatives and you know run multiple campaigns that have gotten to scale um, but the idea, you would think that they would be kind of aggregating data that they have run before, or maybe data from other campaigns in this private way to make, to kind of like make sure you, you have enough data to get started. So if, if IBM is kind of, you know, constantly learning from other campaigns, um, hopefully you just be able to get started with a couple of different creative assets, um, and then take it from there. But, um, we'll see if this, if this works. They've got different companies at different stages, somewhere like Netflix, obviously leading the way very much so, whereas smaller companies probably still cautious at this stage. What is the sort of biggest biggest pitfall with AI that we've seen too many companies make and that someone someone launching in can can learn from and avoid at this stage? Yeah, so there's probably definitely two things. The first is, um, not having your data in the right state to access it or kind of just starting a project right away where you're not exactly sure where the data is coming from. So machine learning, any types of machine learning that you want to do is best done by having either a lot of data or a reliable source of where data is going to come from. So if you don't have a baseline understanding of where your data is or how constantly your data refreshed or what your data even tells you, um, this is going to be a big problem when you want to say, okay, I now want to predict this based on, well, I don't know what this is going to be based on. The second thing, and, and people just 
say this ad, ad nausea, but it's really, I think the most important thing is having a, a clear understanding of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to solve for. So we've seen a lot of companies just kind of deploy chatbots and not really have any success with them because they weren't really solving any sort of problem. They were just kind of doing it for fun or maybe they were just playing around with the latest technology and just pushing it out there. Um, but really having a clear um, business goal or business problem that you have, such as, okay, we see that customers are spending less time in our product, or we see that the turnover rate or the churn rate is going up in our customers. Can we use machine learning to solve this business problem? Now, obviously it's not going to solve every single problem you have, but really the first step is, okay, what, what is the problem that we have um, do we have the data to actually solve this? And then how are we going to then implement the solution? And then after you've implemented it, um, how are we tracking that solution? So it's kind of this constant loop of asking what the problem is and do we have the data and then figuring out if the machine learning system is actually going to solve the problem. That we have. Right. It's very clearly it's a, an ongoing process rather than a plug this in and it will solve your problems. Yeah, it's absolutely. A, an ongoing. Absolutely. Okay. So in the next sort of let's say 12 to 18 months, where do you see the next, what's the biggest trend that's coming? I know you've already touched on this in with Amazon Web Services and others building their, their off the shelf platforms, but beyond that, do you think there's any particular trends that, that marketers specifically need to be looking out for and, um, and preparing for? Yeah, so with it's AI definitely, it? yeah, it's definitely the Salesforce of the world and the Adobe of the world introducing their uh, machine learning products in. So we've seen at the Salesforce Dreamforce convention a couple of weeks ago, um, Salesforce is essentially going all in on AI and they're, they have voice recognition to interact with the platform or um, they have, you know, you can ask Einstein, they're essentially Alexa for business to do forecasts for you, to do all sorts of machine learning predictions for you. It seems like Salesforce is designing their experience around almost like machine learning because when people log into the platform, they kind of get like alerts that are triggered by machine learning. So it's like, oh, your client is at a 20, this client is at a 20% chance of churning or this client is at a high risk, et cetera. So then they show like people then doing and making an outcome or like, you know, calling the client because this machine prompted them to do it. So it's kind of interesting to see like how essentially this technology is kind of like pushing people more and more and more until like you kind of think of like well is machines just going to push us to do everything <laughs> but i don't think we're I quite there yet but it's definitely like if, yeah yeah i suppose if salesforce prompts you to oh this customer is a 70 percent churn risk and you call them and then they do leave two months after that's that's additional data for salesforce to to feed it back in so by pushing you to learn it by setting you up these prompts they're gathering more data and making their right Make oh, AI yeah. better straight off the bat. I can see the logic there. Direct, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they're um, they're definitely pushing in, and uh, yeah, I mean, Adobe too. It's kind of a crazy how they've just become this monster in this area, um, and yeah, offering the entire stack. But I mean, you know, clients aren't. It, you know, they have limited it's it's you need like teams of people sometimes to kind of coach you through this because it's there's so many different features and so many different options that if you can make it just like very straightforward and very easy and very like you said narrow and specific that that's definitely better 
Um, so the, the, the first thing to work to watch is definitely these cloud providers um, like Salesforce and Adobe offering more products. Um, the second thing is definitely in the, the realms of personalization. And we've heard personalization over just the last five years now, just personalization at scale. But I think more companies and more vendors are, are actually starting to figure it out and, and using these massive data stores to actually do very quick and easy solutions. So if you haven't experimented with dynamic creative optimization or personalization at scale, there's certainly more technology companies in that have essentially learned from the failures of the past ones that are making it easier to do, um, quicker to do, and just more efficient in general. So I would definitely look be on the lookout for um, different vendors and what their offerings are over the next over the next couple of months. Obviously, we can only explore so much of this in a podcast because it's very, very, very big area is there one particular resource or that people should should read or should watch that would prompt them for their next steps if they want to take it if they want to listen to this and then go go beyond and say right i want to i want to dive into this where would you suggest they go next for the next step yeah so if you if you have an analytics team or if, if you haven't made friends with them already i would definitely reach out to them and say you know, I've, I've heard a lot about this technology. Um, are we using it right now? How do we um, go forward in using it? Uh, I actually just ran into someone the, down the hall the other day and they said, hey, we want to start using machine learning in our business. Can we just show us some of the problems that we have and, and brainstorm about ideas how to do it? Um, if you don't have an analytics team already, um, I would definitely start watching some of these videos from um, these keynote presentations from um, the big technology players because it it not only gives you a sense of what is capable but it gives you a sense of what is actually you know the cutting edge of research and a lot of finds a lot of times you'll find that it's not this crazy AI that will just replace everyone but it's more along the lines of okay can we um, analyze our customer logs to see what people are talking about or what's the sentiment of our brand and how is it doing over time? So it really gives you a sense of how or and what types of problems can be solved and what types of problems can be approached. And so you don't just say, oh, we need an AI to automate everything. You can then attack it in a very uh, strategic and logical way. So definitely watch videos from um, Salesforce, Dreamforce, Adobe Max, um, Amazon Web Services, because they give a lot of great examples of how to use machine learning and marketing and kind of what the next steps are that you should be taking there. Great. Okay. It's quite nice to wrap up a, a session on AI about that, that acknowledges people still have a, still have a role to play in this. And we're not going to get replaced straight away. That's a, a nice comforting thought to end on. <laughs> so um, fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, Andrew. It was, um, that was really good. Great. Thanks so much for having me.